Good morning, everybody. How's it going? You are listening to Action Line on KNY. I'm your host, Jordan Lewis. And joining me in the studio today, I have Assemblymember Christine Wall. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. I mean, it's definitely super nice weather. I hate to make you come in, but I do have a lot of important things I need to talk to you about. <laughs> That's all right. You also have a nice view, so I'll enjoy that. That is true. That is true. Now, I think, I think we should just start with the obvious big topic here in the room, which has been City Hall. And that's been a very lengthy conversation. Obviously, there's a lot of folks that are opposed to City Hall. There's a lot of folks in favor of City Hall. So I just kind of want to understand kind of where we're sitting at it, the discussion around City Hall from your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to chat about that. Um, so, you know, we've the Assembly has been working on trying to come up with a proposal for a new City Hall for about three years. And um, we've been pretty unanimous throughout that time that... A new city hall is is a need. We looked at a lot of different options. We looked at retrofitting our current building. We looked at buying other buildings. Um, and in the end, building a new building was uh, the most obvious choice because it was the most cost-effective choice um, and because uh, there was a good location for it. And so, you know, I know people, the price tag looks... Um, scary to people because that's a lot of money. But what I really need to emphasize to people is that um, it saves the money, it saves the city money in the long term to build a new city hall. Right now we're spending a considerable amount of money renting space downtown. Our employees are not comfortable. They're not safe. There's actually been some... um, uh, you know, problems with the buildings that they've been in. And so we don't really have another option. And so um, no one likes spending a bunch of money up front, but that's what we need to do to ensure the long-term financial sustainability of our city. So uh, I understand it's controversial and it's complex, but throughout that process, keeping those long-term goals in mind, it's clear to me that this is the way we need to go. Okay, so I have a couple of questions for you, just kind of based off of that. When you Please. say when you say problems, are you talking like structural security? Like, what kind of problems are the, have there been? Yeah, I've heard both of those things <laughs> in some of the the buildings that we're renting. That you know, people don't have adequate plumbing. That that the heating is not working very well. Um, if you go into our the building that we own, the current city hall. Um, it doesn't meet the standards of what a modern office should look like in terms of um, adequate space for for professionals to do their work in. Okay, and then I know another argument is, well, why not just pay to you know update things and do those maintenance versus getting a new building? Yeah, we we looked at the cost of that, and we would not be able to add enough. Um, space to the new building um, at a price tag less than what it would cost to build a new building. So um, that wouldn't actually save us money to invest in our current building. Okay. Now, another thing is I understand that there was another vote around sort of not specifically City Hall, but really the marketing around it. Like, how do we yes. how do you talk to people about that? I understand it got voted down. And so some folks have brought the concern that, well, it's been voted down. So why is it being brought up again? through the democratic process, wouldn't that not be a thing we talk about again? Yeah, no, great, great question. And um, I did vote against spending public money advocating for a city hall last year. And I've changed my mind. And I think that is part of the process. I think it's good for uh, members to change their mind when presented with new information. And so 
um, last year we put it to a vote without spending any uh, public money providing education about why we needed a city hall. And it failed, and it failed narrowly. I wish there was a way we could provide education without having to um, call that advocacy, but the way the state um, rules work, there's no difference between providing education about something and advocating for it. And so this year, um, I changed, well, several members changed their mind. We unanimously said we are going to spend money educating the public about why we need a new city hall because the project's that important. If that's what it's gonna take, more education, um, then I'm willing to try it. It's still up to the voters whether we move forward with this project. And so I'm hoping they'll be a bit more informed and maybe they'll um, decide to approve it. If not, then we'll know that we <laughs> tried and that the citizens you know, truly don't want us to move forward with that project and that'll be okay. Okay, now could you provide me with some examples of like what that education or advocacy by the legal definition for that would look like? Like what kind of things would the city do to try and get that information out about that new city hall proposal? Yeah, good, good uh, question. So as an example, you know, during election season, a lot of groups will hold forums on, on the issues and on the, the candidates in front of them. So the chamber usually does one. Some of the rotary clubs do one. And so last year, our city staff were not able to show up in those forums and talk about the expenses that we're currently spending on our old city hall in our rental space because we hadn't approved the funding for them to do so. And so this year they will be able to be in those forums um, providing that type of information on the benefits and the cost savings that we're going to see if we were to um, build a new building. Okay. Now, another thing that's been in the conversation around the, the city hall is the fact that a lot of these city facilities are currently somewhat spread out. They're not all in one centralized location. And so by getting the new city hall, that can make it more efficient. But I've also heard the argument of, well, if we had better sort of mapping out and directioning, we could leave that spread out as it is now. So what would you argue for that? Like, why, why would it be more beneficial for us to centralize that? Yeah, so right now we, we do have city staff kind of spread out over downtown, and that's not terrible. It, it you know, it means if you're going to one get one permit and then going to get another permit, you have to walk three blocks, and it can be quite confusing to the public about where to go. Um, that's, you know, that that is okay, but it's certainly better for the public to know that they can show up to one building, get all of their needs addressed, they know where that is, um, and then move on with their day. So I definitely think it provides an efficiency to have it all in one location. Is it working the way it is? Fine. Yeah. Okay. And now before we sort of move on to another topic, is there anything else that you would like to add to that city hall conversation before we move on? Because I know it's a very complex topic, but I don't also want us to only focus on that. For oh, no, it, today. I'm always happy to talk about it because it, because it is a priority and because voters are going to um, probably be making a decision about it this fall. Um, I will say that this coming Monday, we have an assembly meeting where we will be uh, officially as a body making a decision whether or not to put it on the ballot. And so um, there's going to be lots of oppor more opportunities to use your voice, whether that's at the ballot box um, 
or on Monday night, but certainly if you feel strongly about the issue, uh, I'd encourage you before Monday to send the assembly an email um, or come to our meeting, seven o'clock in assembly chambers. You can even check out the building and tell me what you think about it. (laughs) Okay, so that Monday meeting would have public testimony for this? Correct, there will be public testimony. Okay, I think that's another important thing to add there is that if you do have something that you wanna say as a member of the public about the city hall, go to that public testimony period. That is one of the best things that you can do as a, as a citizen if you want to actually address you know your elected officials is to go talk with them. That's your most efficient tool I've always found. Absolutely. And there's always a Zoom option, too. I mean, I totally encourage you to come down, check out the building, and, uh, testify in, in public. But if you're not able to do that for some reason, you can also sign up to testify over Zoom. Gotcha. Now, we don't have too much longer in this first half, so I want us to start talking a little bit about how that city manager search is going, and then we'll move into the break. Yeah, so um, for folks who don't know, our long-time city manager, Rory Watt, is retiring um, at the end of September, and so... Uh, I've been chairing the assembly recruitment committee that is looking or designing the process to help hire a new city manager. And so we've been at it a few months. Um, We've been out there recruiting candidates. It is still open. If you know good applicants, you are you can um, go on the city hiring website and um, put in an application. but we have had it open for about a month now, and we did get a um, group of candidates that this week we've spent some time as a committee uh, doing what we're calling pre-screening interviews. And then this is just getting to know them so that we can make a recommendation to the full assembly about any candidates that they want to um bring into a public process. So we will, if, if there's outside candidates, be bringing them to Juno um, or Juno-based candidates have them out in the community. And so we're looking at doing that in early August. So that would be an opportunity for the community to meet the candidates, learn more about them um, and provide the assembly feedback before we, we make a decision. Gotcha. We are going to have to move into our break. When we come back, I'll talk to you a little bit more about the city manager, and then we're going to move into the two other topics I have slated for today. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. And welcome back to Action Line. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me still, I have Christine Wall from the Juno City Assembly. Now, we were just sort of started talking about the city manager's search before we went into the break. However, I also know that you won't really be able to give me too much more really until next week from what you were telling me. Yeah, hopefully um, next week we will be able to announce any final candidates that we are going to bring up to Juno or, you know, have um, engaged in a public process. And so um, stay tuned for that. Well, I will certainly keep my eyes peeled. Now, the next topic I wanted to hit with you has also been another big topic in town as of late. And when I say as of late, I mean the last few months, the short-term rentals. So what's going on there? Yeah. So on Monday night at the assembly meeting, we'll be voting on um, an ordinance that would require anyone who has a short-term rental in Juneau. So that means rentals under 30 days in length um, to register that rental with the city. Okay. 
And so as part of that sort of registration process, is that to make sure that they fall in line with certain regulations that the city has? Or what is the primary motivator for that? The primary motivator is that um, we hear a lot from people in the community who are worried about the impact of short-term rentals on our housing stock in Juneau, given that housing is such a big issue. And so... Um, we've heard that a lot, and the first thing the assembly wanted to do to address that was to get better data. How many short-term rentals are there out there? Um, are they taking housing stock? What you know? Are there? Is it one person who's got a bunch, or is it a bunch of people who have one? That kind of information. And we weren't. Um, we early on we didn't want to move forward with the registration because uh, we were told we could kind of pay people to find that information out for us and we actually did that. We hired a contractor to basically do some digging into that type of data and the data they produced really wasn't helpful for our needs to actually understand the trends in short-term rentals and so registration will allow us to have that data. Okay. And so in one of the questions I've kind of had during this whole process is, is there any sort of penalty if a short-term rental were to not register if this goes forward? There is. Um, so, uh, and I may not have all the details right in front of me because we've been shifting them a bit, but right now uh, they will have 90 days to register their short-term rental um, if this was adopted, 90 days from the adoption date. Um and after that, it would be a $25 a day fine for not registering. If they're not paying um, hotel bed tax as well, there's additional fines for that. So the one of the secondary reasons that um, the city wants to register short-term rentals is to make sure that people are um, paying that, that hotel bed tax that they're required to pay. Okay, and then maybe could you give me an example of kind of where the money from that hotel bed tax kind of gets reinvested within the community? I imagine it just kind of goes to whatever sort of larger project the city is working on, but it would still kind of just... Like it, it actually, um, it does not go into kind of the bigger city coffers. It, it specifically um, goes into supporting... Um, uh, tourism in, in Juneau. And so uh, by that, I mean um, people who are staying long-term, independent travelers, um, folks that are staying in hotels. So not necessarily supporting the cruise ship industry, but supporting kind of our um, infrastructure to house independent travelers in Juneau. Okay, because I understand that's a pretty large demographic of folks that help that or play a role in sort of our tourism industry is those independent travelers. Yeah, they definitely spend a lot of a lot of money in our community. Okay, now the last big topic I have for you is, and I know you kind of teased it a little bit earlier, is obviously we've got a number of different seats that are open for election coming up. Yes. So um, this October we will have four seats on the assembly that. Um, are open for for election um, in two school board seats. And so we are just starting to enter campaign season. July 14th is is the um, first day you can kind of officially sign up with the city and say, yes, I'm running. So there are two area-wide seats and there's a district one seat and a district two seat. They're up for re-election. You heard it here first, KINY. I am running for re-election um, in the District 2 seat. So um, I just am making that announcement uh, today. Um, and uh, But there are lots of opportunities for new candidates to enter the race. And so if you want more information on that, 
definitely uh, check out the city website about how to run. Okay, well, obviously we'll be keeping tabs on how your campaign there goes. And then if someone does choose to run against you, we could probably, I imagine we could get a form going to get that diversity of opinion. Because I look forward to it. I think that's another thing to note when it comes to election season is the reason that you always want to kind of see those sorts of forms, at least from my understanding of it and kind of my experience before kind of entering the field, is that you want to be able to see that diversity of opinion so that you can see kind of who is running for those seats and then you can make a more educated decision on who you feel is best to be in that position. Yes, absolutely. Um, last year, all three assembly members ran unopposed. And so, um, you know, I, I liked working with those colleagues. So that that was nice. But um, it's always a little sad to see when people aren't stepping up to run. And so just would certainly encourage people to um think about it. It's a great way to serve your community. It gives com- the community a choice of who they want in those leadership positions. Um, so if, if you're thinking about it or you know somebody who might be good, um, you got a, a few days to, to put together your materials. Okay. And I'm reminded of saying that I was, I had mentioned a couple of times when I was talking about that how to run for local office workshop that yeah. happened recently, which is that there's always, you always find there's a lot of people who can sort of talk the talk. Like they're like, oh, I'd be great for the assembly because of this or that, or they have these ideas, but then they don't run. And so when these elections come around, like, you know, that's, that is really their opportunity to really try and walk the walk. You know, if you can talk the talk, then go walk the walk. Actually go out and, you know, try and do that, run for office and see how it goes for you. Yes. Yeah, there's no harm in in uh, in trying. <laughs> you learn a lot. Which is, and I think that's the important part because if you learn more about the process, then you can better understand how those things work, and that can help you become a more educated citizen. Even if you don't end up winning the election, you become more educated on the process and more educated on sort of the inner workings of it. You can then say you want to start doing advocacy type work, or in a better position to start doing that. Would you agree with me on that? Or? Yes, absolutely. I would say that um, running my first campaign for assembly was one of the biggest professional and personal growth opportunities that I've ever experienced. I learned a lot about the community. I met a lot of people and um, it's just a kind of amazing personal experience to put yourself out there and uh, try to convince people that you're the leader that they need um, to serve in that position. Gotcha. Now we do have, it looks like about two and a half minutes left here. So I want to open up the floor, so to speak. Is there any other big topics that you would like to hit that I haven't asked you about? Mm. Because um. I know that can be a tricky one, but I also know I'm only <laughs> human, and so there may be things that I have forgotten that you would like to hit and that we could discuss. Further. Oh, I feel like you hit all all the big ones that are on my mind, um, but I I think I'll reiterate because I was just talking about the assembly seats that are open um, that there are also, I believe, two school board seats that will be open this year. Um, uh, the school board is another kind of great opportunity to have impact in your community. And so um, I said July 14th is the, the day's um the date then we, which you can register to run for assembly, but it's also the date when you can begin registering for running for school board. Um, if school board and assembly aren't quite what you want to 
spend your time doing, but you want to have impact in your community. We also always have lots of openings on our city boards and commissions. When I first moved here and I wanted to get more involved in the city, I asked a someone running for assembly how do I do that and they were like get involved in a board and commission and that's what I did and it was incredibly valuable for um, learning more about Juno. Gotcha. Well Christina I'd like to thank you for coming on it's been fun talk with you and learning kind of more about what's going on within the community and you know I think it's important that we always take these times you know chat and sort of figure out what's going on what can we learn and then just really being able to talk with the community more at length. Yeah thank you for the time. Alrighty, you have been listening to Action Line on KINY.